What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Prove Me Wrong podcast. This is episode 19. Next one's going to be 20. How crazy is that? We're getting on up. That makes me pumped. Uh, This is the first podcast since I did uh, the cello cast that I told you guys about uh, last episode. I'll get into that in a bit here in a little bit, but there's been a lot going on since the last week. So we've had a national championship game. We've had Trump, who may or may not know all the words to the national anthem. We've had Oprah go up for a big speech of late. Some people are already saying, Oprah 2020, I'll give you my thoughts on that. But the world's a wild place. We talk about it all the time, but every day you wake up Twitter or wake up and go on Twitter and you just don't know what you're going to see. Uh, it could be a new guy like Aziz Ansari getting accused of no, but she was she said no, but she didn't say no. I, I, I don't know. I can't keep up with all these guys, but that one seemed a little fishy. Um, you never know what Trump's going to do. If you're in Hawaii, you're not so sure that a Missile isn't coming right for you. Hashtag false alarm. How does that happen? But every day we wake up and it's something new. Today, of course, I'm recording this on Monday, January 15th. So give you a little time frame. Oh, there's a car that went by. How nice. Uh, But today is MLK Day. It's actually MLK's birthday today. So I don't know. You don't wish someone a happy MLK Day, do you? It's kind of like when you say, like, oh, happy Memorial Day. Like, definitely not. Think a veteran, but there's definitely no happy Memorial Day. It's just supposed to be a day of remembrance. So do you say happy MLK Day? Um, As you can tell, if you follow me on Instagram, that I've been a little feisty lately. I've been going after the hypocrisy of both the right and the left and just uh, more or less videos of when I'm bored. I'm sitting on the couch. goes, ah. Um, how can I ruffle some feathers today? How can I point out something that's so clearly obvious and yet piss someone off? And then the next day when someone thinks on their ally, pow, I'll piss them off as well. Um, so I made a little post this morning just talking about MLK Day, just saying, hey, um, there was a cool little stat that popped up um, on Twitter. I don't know the guy's last name, but it's at R-Y-A-N-S-T-R-U-Y-K. So Ryan Strike. It said um, he has two Gallup polls here. It says Martin Luther King Jr.'s favorable ratings via Gallup. In 1966, he was only 33% favorable with 63% uh, viewing him as unfavorable. Today, now it's 94% view him as favorable, 4% view him as unfavorable. Oh, how revisionist history works. So I just made a little post and said, hey. If you're one of those people that have been, oh, why don't these players stand up and stop taking the knee? If you don't like this country, you can get the hell out. If you've been one of those, probably shouldn't post about MLK today. Because when you look at those numbers, and 63%, so a heavy majority, viewed him as unfavorable. Kind of like we're viewing some of these players unfavorable today, huh? Like, imagine if we had Fox News and CNN back then, or if the whole MLK thing was coming to uh, fruition in our day and age of the media now. 
Do you think Fox and CNN will be saying that this guy's a patriot, that he's fighting for civil rights, or will they come out and say that he's a criminal? Talk about it all the times he's been arrested. Maybe he doesn't love the country. But revisionist history looks at it and goes, oh, MLK was such a, he was such a great guy. He was loved by all. Yeah, no, he was arrested many times. People hated him. He was shot and killed. But now everybody looks back with such warmth in their heart for the guy that they probably didn't agree with back then. And hey, times change. Your opinion can change. That's what we're trying to do here. Some of these politicians coming out and some of these Fox News people I've seen coming out today acting like they're lock and step with MLK. I don't think so. Hey, that, you know, Tommy Laren, Tommy Laren, whatever the fuck her name is, the cute little blonde that's like 24 years old on Fox News now. She's made a name for herself for being part of a fundamental values and she got fired from The Blaze, uh, which is ran by, oh, not... Deutsch, but what's the other guy that became a Mormon later on in life? Um, it'll kind of used to be on Fox News, but she was on there and then got fired for when she might have hinted that she, that she might be pro-choice. But today, she better not be on that high horse talking about MLK because she's sure been talking about all these players needing to uh, not take a knee and the importance of it. But she wouldn't have been a fan of MLK back then either. A tweet also came out today of, it's still up, by the way, it's 4.47 uh, p.m., and he posted this at 7.16 a.m. This is from Senator, Senator Shelby, Republican out of Alabama, said this year marks 50 years since the tragic assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Stop right there. This year does not mark, like, today? Are you saying today is what we're celebrating is the assassination? Or that remembrance of assassination? No, no, no. Definitely MLK Day. Definitely his birthday. I'll go on. Today, we take time to honor and reflect on this legacy and dedication to equality. We must continue to focus on his vision for the world, working to accomplish his dream of unifying our nation. Hashtag MLK Day. Here's a fun fact about Senator Shelby of Alabama. As I looked him up today... Him, along with people like John McCain, when they were discussing if they were going to have a day for MLK, if they're going to make it a federal holiday, he voted against it. Yeah, the guy that's out here tweeting about how uh, this year marks the 50 years since the assassination of MLK and we have a lot to learn from. He voted against the Day of Remembrance from MLK. Senator Shelby, there's this thing called the internet. We can find out these things about you. So fuck you. They think they, they can just do these things and we'll just sweep it under the rug, but I guess that's kind of what happens. That's how we end up with uh, Hillary Clinton and Trump anyways. But I mentioned Oprah there for a second and I made a video this week because it was driving me fucking crazy. I'm sure Oprah's a nice lady. I hope she's happily married and she isn't trying to like suppress the gay away her whole life. She's very successful. Worked from, I mean, I think the most appalling form of poverty to who she is. And she made a little speech at the Golden Globes. Didn't watch it. Didn't want to get wrapped up in it. But I just love seeing the Twitter storm come through. I saw it on Instagram. And I saw it on Facebook. People plotting Oprah. You go, Oprah. Oprah for president in 2020. What? Aren't you the same people that have been talking shit on the right-wingers for just voting in a non-politician that was just a reality show host. 
I understand that Oprah seems like a nicer lady and is probably a nicer person, but isn't that the exact same thing you're now trying to do to get Oprah to run? And this is kind of how that little storm builds up. Maybe she wasn't thinking about it before, but now you're going to have politicians in her ear, going to have news networks in her ear, and they're going to start whispering, you can do this. You can take down the Donald. You can become president. And then next thing you know, we're about to go into the ballot booth, into the ballot box again. What are we going to see? Oprah and Trump. I feel like I live in the twilight zone because when all we had were these politicians, I kept saying, I want an outsider. I want an outsider. Well, this is the outsider I got. And now I'm almost asking for a politician again. You know, things have gone wrong when I'm even hoping that Mitt Romney might run. I mean, good Lord, the dude's a Mormon and not just a Mormon. Like it's if you're a Mormon, fine, go for it. But his family is such Mormons that they moved to Mexico so that they can continue marrying multiple wives. The United States was cracking down on Vice did a long piece on this and because they were fighting with the drug cartels. Like, this is still going on to this day. Mitt Romney still has family members down in uh, Mexico so uh, they could fight for their, their um, is it polygamy? I guess that would be it. So uh, I'm now, now that we're discussing Trump and Oprah, I'm even looking back to going, eh. Maybe Mitt Romney's not that bad, but the hypocrisy is crazy. You, you see it on the right. We were talking about it with, um, you know, state rights issues. The right loves state right issues when it's talking about gay marriage. You know, gay marriage, that's a state issue. If you don't want, we don't want any gay people getting married here because we in the Bible Belt, but they can go to California and do it, which seems reasonable. That's why we have states' rights. That's what's supposed to make this country uh, the United States of America. But then when it comes to marijuana, you got the right-wing people saying, no, it's a drug. Nope, this is a federal issue. It's a stage one. Don't you know that if you smoke pot, you might start shooting up heroin? The hypocrisy is there. Let's all just take a look. They love the state issues for things like gay rights and hate state issues when it's things like marijuana. But these, this is how this uh, cog in this wheel rolls, you know. I've, we've discussed it many a time that I'm ready for a change. And I hope that these hypocrisies steep, still uh, keep coming out. I hope with, um, like, that's what I would like to see in the debate, you know, like have YouTube available. When they go to the debates and someone's saying, he's like, you're a liar. And he goes, no, I'm not. Like, just pull up YouTube. You can show them right then and there. We can't allow these people to keep getting away with it. I mean, you saw it in Hawaii. Those poor bastards, they got an iPhone alert saying um, that there was a missile coming for them and that this was not a drill. Huh. Within 10 minutes, I'd say within five minutes, if you had a Twitter account, you knew that that was already an actual false alarm. However, it took the government, I think, 48 minutes to be able to send out another text saying that it was a false alarm. And they want us to believe that it was just during a shift change that somebody just accidentally pushed the, the missile button, huh? When the White House came out and said that it was actually a state test. So who do you believe? I don't want to be tinfoil hat guy, but explain to me how just a... a an employee during a shift change just accident, accidentally hit that button. 
someone uh, made a joke about it on Twitter talking about, so let me get this right for my AOL account. I need a capital letter. I need a symbol. I need a lowercase number and her lowercase letter and a number. But to send out, there's a nuke coming. It's just a push of a button on a shift change. Sounds a little fishy to me. Someone needs to get their story straight. Those poor bastards, though. Can you imagine getting that? And what it's really done now is imagine if we ever do get one of those texts, we're going to go, it's the boy that cried wolf. Now we're going to go, oh, fuck it. It's probably just the government messing up again. We got nothing to worry about. Then they gone. So I'm worried that that might have the effect after the debacle that happened in Hawaii a couple of days ago. I felt so bad for them. If you saw the texts or tweets coming out, people were just, they were saying their goodbyes. And another funny thing I saw online was like, how many guys want to take back things that they admitted for? You know, they thought it was the final hours. Maybe had something buried down. They just had to tell their wife and then the world didn't end. But now their world might be ending on a marital front. It, it, I wish everyone just had a GoPro on them so we'd be able to see what was really going on. Um, so today when I was driving back um, from the gym, coming back to do this podcast, it hit me that like, as much as I love the advance of technology and I'm all about autonomous cars and getting people um, from not driving behind the wheel anymore and just letting it be like, let's just step into the future. I'm OK with it. I think everything's going to be all right. But in like the meantime, there's a couple little tweaks they can make to cars that I think would make our lives a hell of a lot easier. And when I tell you these two things, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So the first one I've noticed because I was it's happened to me before, both when I'm behind a car and then when I'm at a four way stoplight and I'm about to make a right is with the blinkers that we have. Why can't we add an extra little click that means I'm making a U-turn? If you're behind the car, isn't it nice to know that we're not going to be picking up full speed right here and that they're going to be slowing down to make some big looping U-turn? Wouldn't that be mitigated if there was just one extra click or a different series of flashes that went off that informs you, the person behind them, that, hey, we're not going the same speed right here? You might say, Grayson, well, there's brake lights on. Yeah, but a lot of people ride the brakes, bitch. So if we just had a different blinker, wouldn't that help? Or let's say you were at... um, at a four-way stop there and the car that's um, immediately adjacent to you is going to be making a u-turn but you have a ride on red or you're not sure where that car's turning wouldn't it also help if you were in the front of it to be able to see a flashing light knowing that that car is going to make a u-turn it seems so simple yet here we are in 2018 and we don't even have a blinker for u-turns my other gripe about us being in the future but still dealing with things of yesteryear is the horn you might say grace and the horn yeah the horn because the horn's only one volume the horn's only one sound it's just Mah! there's no like toot toot like beep beep i don't know why i'm doing the r kelly song now but it's just one loud annoying sound but you don't always mean for it to come off that way I think there should be like two different sounds. You know, there needs to be like one little dainty little horn. It's just like beep, beep. That's just telling the person in front of you like, hey, hey there, mister. I just wanted to let you know that the lights turned green. If you could take your foot and just put it on the gas there, everything's going to be all right. Because not every situation calls for the honk, honk. And that scenario is just like a, hey, hey, little buddy. It's like a tap on the shoulder. Just letting them know. 
just want to let you know you're kind of messing up right now, but we can fix it. No need to give me the middle finger. I'm just saying, hey, pal, it's your turn. But then there's the other scenarios where you do need the common sound that we have now. Or hell, you can even take it up a notch and put one of those like boat horns on there. I'm okay with that too. And that's saved for the special people. People are sitting there talking while the light turns green, not paying attention, being assholes. The ones when they're driving at night and you can see their face illuminated from searching on Facebook while they're at the red light. The person that tries to do the two cars, one gap when you're merging into traffic. You know, like when you're merging on the 91 and everybody gets its left's turn, right's turn, left's turn, right's turn. But then sometimes you get those assholes on the right hand side that they want to go left, right, right, left, left, right, right, left. And for those people, we have a sorn, a horn, a sorn. A horn that essentially just says, fuck you. I don't even care if there's a little thing that pops up on top of your car and then it just goes, fuck you. See, that's what that sound should be for. But right now, we use the fuck you sound for every situation that happens on the road. Hold on one second. Okay, I think that's fixed. Because not every situation calls for the fuck you. Sometimes it's just a little tap on the shoulder, just letting someone know. It's like being in a concert. Sometimes you just tell the person, hey, buddy, keep stepping on my shoe. And he goes, hey, sorry, pal, and just moves to the side. And there's no need for it to escalate. But with the sounds of the horns that currently are, it only leads to escalation. So I think we just need a little tap on the back car horn to come into the, to, to get into the new age of the year 2018. <laughs> so these are the thoughts that go through my head. This is what happens when I'm driving home. And then on the way back, I went to Los Primos uh, to get, they have a, like a Primos bacon scramble. And I just get bacon and eggs there and it's fantastic and it's quick and easy and it's down the street from my house. But at Los Primos, they're a fast food joint. They're a drive through joint. Another place that I know that has this is Yellow Basket. And they added that little line. You know what line I'm talking about? It's the tip line. You're at a fast food joint. And now there's a tip line there. And it's right under or right above the total, just like it is anywhere else. Do any of you fight the same way I fight of whether to leave a tip on that or not? So I don't want to be the asshole that doesn't leave the tip. But I also feel like your drive through should I be leaving a tip? And then I think, well, Grayson, you're a piece of shit. It's just two bucks. And then I think, well, you can afford more than a $2 tip. But then is a $5 tip really make sense on an $8 burrito? And then next thing you know, I leave a tip. I drive away and go, why did you do that, you little pussy? It was just drive through. But you have this inner monologue and you have this anxiety going. So you left the tip anyways. Do any of you deal with that? Because these are the things I deal with on a daily basis. And ask anyone that's ever been out with me. I've worked in restaurants my whole life, so I'm a good tipper. I'm not one to fucking stiff a tip at a restaurant or a bar or anything like that, but I'm a man of principle too. So if I'm just going through Los Primos, I'm not leaving a tip. 
I mean, the worst thing that could happen to me is like one of my late night drunk spots, like a Taco Bell starts adding a tip line because then like, obviously the answer is like, fuck you. It's Taco Bell. I'm not leaving a tip. But the other side of that coin is like, damn, this person's working at Taco Bell. I should probably leave a tip. And I definitely tip more when I've been drinking. So if Taco Bell adds a tip line above uh, the total line like it is everywhere else. I'm going to be super fucked and I'm going to be dealing with this anxiety every time I go there or I'll just avoid the situation altogether and then start going like a Del Taco where I can just avoid this problem and never have to deal with it ever again. But I'd mentioned that I'd recorded uh, the first cello cast last week and I won't get into a ton of it just because, hey. That's why I have that podcast is talk about Coachella, but it got out to a, a pretty big audience and it was a lot of fun recording and it also helped because I think it, t- it showed me how to start kind of working on this podcast differently because I have different segments in there and different, like I spent like five hours on the damn video that was going to YouTube up at this little local coffee spot called Intaza by my house. I'll, I'll get into Intaza here in a second, but it was just like with the the way I produced it and I'm going to sound like I'm sucking my own dick here, but I just mean, I thought out of my production, it was one of the best ones I've done. And it just made me realize I've been lazy with the prove me wrong pod. So I'm going to go head over there after this and try and get uh, at least the same quality of video I did for that uh, to start integrating that to here. It just kind of show me of how I can do different things and set things up. So sometimes you need to take a step back to realize the next step you need to take forward. But I, I'm telling you, probably four or five hours I spent working on that. And there's this new cool spot called Intaza right by my house. If any of you guys are like Myriad and Temecula area, I have a new plan. If you go to Intaza, you need to tell them that you heard about Intaza from Grace and Gregory or the Prove Me Wrong podcast. And I figure if just five or ten people tell them that, then inevitably they're going to be forced to have to either start giving me free coffee or be a sponsor on the podcast or let me podcast from there. But it's this two-story place. They do, like, fresh breakfast. I had lunch there. I went on, like, the one rainy day we've had this winter, so I just went upstairs, um, had a cold brew on nitro. It comes out looking like a beer, like in the little – it's not a chalice, but like a little glass. And they're going to get beer and wine, and the place is just super dope. So if you're looking for a place to go hang out, sidebar – uh, go to Intaz. I spent yeah many hours there and was never rushed to leave. And now I'm just like the weird guy at the coffee joint. But I'll tell you what, it feels a lot better being the solo guy at the coffee joint and the solo guy at the bar. You get a lot less scary looks of, oh, if you're the solo dude at the coffee joint opposed to the solo guy at the bar. But I'd spent like I said, hours and hours on this goddamn video. Um, most of the downloads for the Coachella cast had happened on YouTube and fewer of them were just actually listening to it uh, via the, the, the typical apps, the way you guys listen to it too. Um, and if you want to stay up to date, also go subscribe on YouTube, Prove Me Wrong Pod. Um, but I digress. So I got home. National championship game was about to be on. Prop my feet up. Like, I swear to God, this is how it happened. Like, came down take my shoes off, prop my feet up on like my ottoman couch thing, turn on the game, and then I get a notification from YouTube. And it's comment notification. I'm like, son of a bitch, here we go. 
because one of the things that's different with that podcast than this podcast is I'm posting it right into Reddit so people can just immediately start commenting down the thread or they can start hating down the thread or complimenting and I got a little bit of both. Definitely more good than bad. But I got home from making the video, posted to YouTube, posted in Reddit, prop my feet up and get a comment on the YouTube page. And I'm going to read it for you. And if you're watching this on video, I'm going to post it on the video right here too. But it's from Elliot Danger Flash. And he edited it. So he needed to go back to talk more shit on me. It wasn't enough. Again, just got back. First comment. I don't really want to watch a 40 plus year old dude who has only been once, meaning Coachella, talk about Coachella for 45 minutes. This is cringe city. All of this is on subreddit. First comment I got, you know, I'm getting home. I'm feeling proud of myself. I'm like, way to go, dude. You fucking went and made that video, got it posted, putting yourself out there. It kind of feels like you're naked. It's a little awkward. And that's the first comment I got. Thank you. Allah, Odin, whoever you want to think that 90% of the other messages were super nice, but him and some other dude uh, went back and forth and just shit all over me on YouTube. So it was quite funny. My, my brother and uh, B-Dub had gotten in the mix and started commenting back and forth, but I, I just couldn't do it. Like the, the first thing you do, like especially as like just from the ego and being a man, you just want to go like, well, fuck you, dude. Like you want to talk shit and... I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't like try to look for his email address or try and pull up on Facebook so I could find something to talk shit on him about, but I didn't find anything. But ultimately, I took the high road, decided not to comment, but then Brian and Grant kind of came on their own and started talking shit back. But this is going to sound a little pretentious, I guess, but if I'm if the ultimate goal is for this podcast to pick up steam and to get bigger, that's just shit. I'm going to have to deal with anyways. So as soon as it happened, I just went into my notifications in the YouTube thing and just said, turn off comments. Like I'll, I'll see all the rest, but that way I just don't have to deal with it because you'll let, you can have a hundred nice messages. And if one person tells you you suck, that's what you like, that's what resonates in your brain. And that's what you think about the rest of the goddamn day or week or month or the next time you're doing the podcast. So most people were pretty supportive of it said, keep going going so we'll see where the next episode goes i'm gonna have my buddy uh, cheetah come on his name is really matt burrell but we're gonna either call it like confessions of a cheetah or cheetah on the loose or something i'm gonna come up with some stupid pun for it. you guys know how i love puns but he's gonna come on there i'm gonna have one of the mods on and then one of my buddies like a friend of a friend a guy that i've met a few times but don't know if he could pick me up in a lineup. Uh, he's working the LND, so like the light and design for a group called They. It's capital T H E Y, and they're performing at Coachella. So I'm hoping maybe through friend channels that I'll be able to get them on the podcast because that would be dope as shit, you know? Then I'd be able to go tell Elliot Danger Flash, like, oh, I'm actually only 32. What do you mean 40? Like, God damn, do I look that old? I know I wear hats all the time, but didn't think I looked 40 and I get that I'm probably out of like the target demographic of Coachella shit already but damn like would you have said that to my face you're just gonna sit there and just say 40 year old dude I'm 32 I look good got these guns been going to the gym dick <laughs> danger flash but I was at Intaza again yesterday just kind of like writing down some notes and trying to figure out how to do this podcast and as I was looking around and I've noticed this before too. It's usually like early in the morning at a Starbucks, but what is it about coffee places that attracts Bible studies? 
Is it just like a place that's open and it's not a bar? Because next time you're at Starbucks, especially early in the morning, like if you're heading in before the office, take a look around and see how many Bibles are open. You'll see little men's groups getting together. And I always feel bad for like the Starbucks employees because maybe like one person will order it and the rest of them are just using the free space. But like, I didn't read that verse. I mean, no. I haven't read the Bible in a long time, but I didn't see the verse in the Bible that said, uh, thou shalt drink caramel macchiato while indulging in the word. I never saw that, but there was at least three Bible studies happening yesterday while I was there. And like I said, this is a big place so people can kind of sprawl out, but they were super smart where they put it because it's in like a little industrial park. And right next to them is a church called the, the Rock. Like do, you, do you smell what the rock is cooking? Because they're cooking up Jesus over there. But it's like in two different uh, industrial uh, offices, I guess, or office spaces. And they put this cool joint right next to it. So it's got to just be bringing in some of that flow of traffic. But tell me that I'm crazy next time you're at a Starbucks if you don't see a Bible study happening. It's like the one spot where it's either Bible studies or it's people pitching MLM. You know, like the, multi, like the pyramid scheme shit. You also see that. It's like one guy dressed up and another kid kid like oh yeah no i'm in, i'm into sales and you can see this person saying oh well i drive a bmw out here and he's pitching him the dream so i mean outside of bible studies mlms will be the next thing that you see um going there but uh they also have this thing called like cereal milk have you guys heard of this it's like essentially like you know like the let's say you have cinnamon toast crunch you know the milk at the end that's like the cinnamon and the milk they have drinks like that there I haven't had one yet because new year, new me. I'm trying to get in shape. But those things, just hearing them say it sounds so fucking delicious. So again, they're not a sponsor yet, but you should probably go tell them if you're in the mirror at Temecula area. Next time you go in, be like, hey, I heard about you guys from Grace and Gregory from that Prove Me Wrong podcast. Let's get those wheels a turning. I'm down to even do a live podcast there. The place is super fucking cool. Um, and even got a little outdoor patio too. So go check it out. It's I-N-T-A-Z-Z-A. And to go back real quick, we were talking about the hypocrisy of politicians and the hypocrisy of people standing for something when they actually don't stand for anything. Um, one of those things happened last week. I mentioned I sat down to watch a, a football game. That was the national championship game. I know nothing about college football anymore. I, I couldn't name two players if there was a gun to my head right now. I know that UCF tried to claim that they were national champions. I know every single person listening to this podcast is saying, what's a UCF? Oh, it's the University of Central Florida in Orlando. And they think they're, this is part of my disdain of that place, but they think they're special. Me and Brian have talked about it before where they're the ugly chick that thinks they're a hot chick but doesn't understand. They went 13-0 this year, and you say, isn't there a national championship game? There was. So in that, in that game, they weren't. But they still call themselves national champions. They do. And not just that. They even threw themselves a parade at Disney World. Not being national champions. This is why I hate Orlando. This is why I hated Central Florida. So you have UCF who's claiming they're national champions. I know that much. And then I don't even remember who played the other day. Alabama and Georgia, I guess. But before that, there was a before the game even started, there was much a commotion about our commander in chief, the Donald, Donald Trump was gonna be at the game. 
Georgia, I'm sure people were happy. It was wild to watch the headlines because even on like Drudge Report in the front and said, Trump cheered as he walks into the stadium. I tried to listen to it. I mean, there was applause, sure. I'm, I'm not going to say it's the ovation that a Kim Jong-un gets in North Korea. I understand it's fake, but you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but they just tried to make it up like it was this huge deal. People were just so excited to see him. And of course, if you watch some of the leading stuff, it says that there was booze mixed in there. So it's just, it's the divisive land of uh, media that we live in. But if you watch the beginning of the game, they had a camera directly on Donald Trump. And as most of you know, Donald Trump's been tweeting since like August about players taking a knee during games, how it's so disrespectful, how he stands, that real Americans stand, never once addressing the issues. I understand that that's a hot topic of the kneeling of the flag, so I don't want to get in. I just... Uh, I think we discussed that more than what we were actually supposed to be discussing in the first place, like police brutality. And I get that Kaepernick's not the most sympathetic figure. Understandable. But we never talked about the issues. But you have Trump out there saying that the NFL should force players to stand or they should be fired a president. Freedom of speech. This guy clearly loves the national anthem. So when the national anthem plays before the game... He's definitely going to know all the words to the national anthem, right? I'm going to play. If you're listening to this only, you're only going to hear the audio, so it's not going to make half as much sense. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll have the video in there for you too. So I want to just play about 30 seconds of it. And those of you watching, you can either agree or disagree with me if Trump knows the lyrics to this song. Okay, so if you're watching that, if you've already seen it, the dude only knows a few of the words, right? Now, there's a political pundit that I respect, and I, I read a ton, a guy named Ben Shapiro. He's a right-winging or a right-leaning guy, but he seems to be pretty fair on some stuff. But he had come out with a piece for the Daily Wire where he's, I believe, the editor-in-chief there, and he said, of course Trump knows the words. It's because the way the sound works in the stadium, you don't hear the same thing there. He's right. Take it from a guy that's run sound for many, many nights. I, I understand how sound works. I understand that you have monitors for sound to bring, uh, for it to hit you the same way because when you just have the speakers facing the crowd, you're not going to hear it the same way as if it's right in your face. But the problem with that analysis is there's a microphone that's on the ground right next to Trump that's picking it up right there. So we're hearing exactly what he's hearing, and he doesn't know all the words. And how do I know that? Because I've gone to rap concerts where I don't know all the words. It doesn't even have to be a rap concert. It's probably some Blink-182 songs where I don't know every single word. And you know what happens? I start rapping or singing the parts that I know, and then I go quiet or start kind of humming 
movement or kind of moving my head around. And then I get back to the parts I know. The same thing that Trump is doing during the national anthem. He says the words that he knows, then he doesn't know anything. And then he pats his chest. And then he says a few more words that he knows. But I would bet you dollars to donuts that he does not know every single word of the Star Spangled Banner. And if you're going to be a guy out there sending all these tweets, telling the NFL to fire players for the disrespect of the national anthem, you better know every goddamn word to that national anthem. Think of just how self-involved the guy is anyways. Would it really, would you put it past him not knowing I mean, we, we put all these politicians and all these elite media members on a pedestal. But don't forget, these aren't average people. Trump's been in Trump land for a long time. Hillary Clinton, I don't think, has said that she's driven a car since like the 80s or early 90s. These people are out of touch with everything that us common folk are going through. There was a thing where 50 Cent during the Ice Bucket Challenge had challenged Floyd Mayweather that if he could read one page of Harry Potter that he would give him, I think, $750,000 because he didn't think Floyd Mayweather could read. 50 Cent, wherever you are now, can we please have you make this same bet with Donald Trump? Like, and let's just do it tomorrow where he can't like take time to go learn the speech. Cause I mean, he seems, I mean, he's Donald Trump, so he's somewhat smart, right? So I think you could probably learn it overnight, but we need to catch him in the act. Hold on. I'm going to find that 50 cent thing real quick. Cause it's so damn funny. 50 cent. Harry Potter. Oh, I love this video. Okay, one sec. Woke up, I looked at the computer, the computer said, Floyd said, fuck T.I., fuck Nelly, fuck 50. I'm like, what do you say fuck me for? Nelly fucked your first baby mama, Melissa, then took your fucking fiance, say fuck that nigga. This is a special A-S-L-E-L-S challenge for you, Floyd. If you can read one full page of a Harry Potter book, nigga, I'll give 750000 to whatever charitable organization you want to. Fuck the bucket of ice, man. <laughs> I love the way that he says that. If you can read one page of Harry Potter, that's what he needs to do to Donald Trump. Come on, 50 Cent, where are you at? I need to get to the bottom of this. I want to find out if Trump actually knows all the words to the national anthem or not. Of course, people on the right, they just said, of course he does. People on the left, of course, they say, of course he doesn't. And I'm somewhere in the middle. But I'm telling you, take it from a dude that hasn't known all the words at a concert. And that's the same thing I do. So... Maybe he really didn't know the words. Maybe it was the feedback in the arena, but I find that hard to believe. And it's not even the biggest blunder that Trump has had all week. I promise this, the rest of the podcast is not going to be solely about Trump because I think everybody just gets tired of him. But there's so many things that happen on a weekly basis. Like you just need to address some of these things. And at this point or in this next thing I want to talk about, I kind of even defend the guy, I think. So everyone saw the Trump shithole comments. If you were watch CNN or MSNBC, one of them, I think, said shithole 36 times in one news broadcast, which a guy like me that is against censorship, that's great. We're adults. Let's stop saying the asshole or F you. Say fuck. Say shit. It's 2018. We have YouTube. Why are we still censoring what adults can and can't listen to? But uh, 
I guess what had happened is Trump said something to the effect of, I don't know why we're still letting in some of these people from these shithole countries. Why can't we just get them all from Denmark? Let me unpack that for you real quick. There are shithole countries in the world. No doubt about it. We have one directly south to us. It doesn't mean that there's not nice parts there. It doesn't mean that there's not nice people there. It doesn't mean that we're not even part of their problem there. But it's still kind of a shithole country and you'd rather live here than there. Haiti. Met a lot of Haitians living in Florida. They drove a lot of cabs. They were nice people. But I think you'd rather live in America than live in Haiti. But everyone jumped on the shithole comments. And look, that is something I can tell a friend over... That's something I can tell you here. Something I can tell a friend at the bar. Something I can say on the phone. But you know the difference between me and Donald Trump? I'm not the fucking president. You can think it, but probably don't say it in a room with other people. Like, just be smarter than that. Have a little bit of restraint to not use that word. And like I said, I think we should just let that be in the open, but... God damn it. You know the way the media is going to spin it. I'm like, let's just speak the way we do. You hear how I speak on this podcast. I don't go OS or OF or frick or dang. No, it's fuck shit. It's like the George Carlin thing. Fuck shit. Cock sucker motherfucker tits fart turd and twat. Also adapted by Blink-182. But if you're the president of the United States, probably don't say that to other people. Or just say it when you're in the Oval Office and you're sure... Nobody's recording you. And the outrage and the backlash that came to those comments, though, kick rocks. All these news organizations, friends that I have, everybody was so concerned with the fact that he used those words. Again, don't think it's something you should say. Definitely don't say it in a room full of people if you're Trump. But there's some shithole countries. And everybody freaked out when, think of every other egregious act presidents make. Think of all the drone strikes and you're going to make him out to be the worst person ever for using the word shithole? I'm okay with the outrage if you also have outrage and other issues. I pulled up a few stats here for you guys because I just don't think it gets out into the uh, mainstream media. But it was talking about drone strikes um, in a five-month period. And this is during Obama, have you? That it was 90% of the people killed in airstrikes were not the intended targets. 90% of people in drone strikes were not the intended targets. And this was just during a five-month period. Of course, the Pentagon came out and said that only 85, or sorry, 89 civilians had been uh, killed out of their 14,000 targets. But does that even seem reasonable? And I found out there was a Vox piece, or Vox had broken down a New York Times piece that they wrote in New, uh, November. And here's a little thing the government likes to do is they'll just change the name of someone, not like their birth name, but they'll just say, oh, they were an informant. So then they get lumped into the bigger number of, oh, we were targeting who we were supposed to. And that's how they get around this little thing of collateral damage. So 90% of drone strikes are killing the unintended uh, target. Obama, you guys might remember this. This was like in the last few months of his tenure that he killed two dozen doctors and uh, patients at a Doctors Without Borders hospital. 
because there was one person there, so he dropped a bomb on the Doctors Without Borders hospital. Where was the outrage then? These are things we should be outraged about. Net neutrality is what we should be outraged about. The federal government trying to reverse state passing marijuana laws. These are the things we should get outraged about. But nope. It's terms like shithole. It's Kim Kardashian. Nobody talks about innocent civilians getting bombed. Nobody talks about the federal government overstepping their bounds, their boundaries with marijuana, and we just let the net neutrality thing just lapse, and we don't do a goddamn thing about it. Where are all the leaders? We're looking at you. Come on, it's the internet, people. We gotta, we gotta make some goddamn changes. But oh, Trump said shithole, shithole. Never mind the people getting bombed, but make sure you worry about that word shithole. I'll get you guys out on this one, and it's uh, the the H and M sweatshirt. I, I, I couldn't not bring it up. And I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. It was the H&M's decision to put a young black kid in a sweatshirt that read, Coolest Monkey in the Jungle. Okay. Now, I discussed this over beers with uh, a few friends the other night at Yard House. If you guys saw that picture, my friends are assholes and I drank a half yard. But my initial argument was, I understand the sentiment behind the sweatshirt. Not mad at the sentiment behind the sweatshirt. But if you're going to do that sweatshirt, definitely put a blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid named like Peyton in the sweatshirt. Definitely don't pick the Tyson Beckford of 10-year-olds in that sweatshirt. I understand what you're saying. Coolest monkey in the jungle. Probably make a different choice of a model for the sweatshirt. And there won't be any issues. And oh my god, it blew up overnight. LeBron James is tweeting about it. Puff Daddy was tweeting about it. I think the kids already got offered a million dollars scholarship and a bunch of other stuff. And people were losing their minds. It's like this feedback loop I have because I'm on Twitter or it's like an echo chamber so being on Twitter you see more of like the social justice warrior stuff that gets like into the fabric there and gets retweeted so it was a huge deal on Twitter and everyone is freaking out and saying how racist is this and I'm telling you my, my first instinct was I understand what you're saying but probably don't put a black kid in the sweatshirt and then the next day happened and what happened the next day Someone got a hold of the boy's mom that allowed him to wear the sweatshirt. And I'm going to read what she had posted on Facebook. If I try to get an English accent here, and I apologize. It says, I am the mom, and this is one of hundreds of outfits my son has modeled. Stop crying wolf all the time. Unnecessary issue here. Get over it. I really don't understand, but not because I'm choosing not to, but because it's not my way of thinking, sorry. If I bought that jumper and put it on him and posted it on my own pages, would that make me racist? I get people's opinions, but they are not mine, she wrote. Sounds fairly reasonable to me. The mom, uh, and her name is Mango, said that she was even in attendance at the photo shoot. She's been in attendance of all of his photo shoots. So you'd think after hearing that, a reasonable person would go, huh? She doesn't have an issue with it. Why do I still have an issue with it? She was there. She doesn't. And we're talking about this on MLK Day, right? 
judge someone by the character or the content of their character, not by the uh, color of their skin. Did I just totally botch that? Hey, I was freestyling there, but it's probably pretty close. You, you understand what I'm saying. But if she doesn't have an issue with it, how can anybody else? But you should have seen the mentions on Twitter. People, black people at that, were talking shit on her, calling her Uncle Tom, all these awful names, saying that they would never do this type of thing to their kid. But then again, they're not the ones getting offered the money. And if she doesn't have an issue with it, I don't think anybody else should as well. But they were freaking the fuck out the next day. And after I heard her comments, I went, oh, she's kind of right. And especially at the end, the last sentence that she says, if I bought that jumper and put it on him and posted it on my pages, would that make me racist? I get people's opinions, but they are not mine. And she's 100% correct there. Who would you be calling a racist at that time if she had just gone into H&M herself and bought her kid that sweatshirt and brought it home for him to wear? Would you still call H&M for just making it? Because they didn't just make it for the black kids. So I thought her answer to this whole thing blowing up literally overnight was extremely rational and extremely reasonable. And after that, I went, okay, no longer have a problem with it. Because who am I, just some white knight over here going, oh, well, you know what, the, the, the mom's perfectly okay with it, but I have something to take up about this. I'm going to still go and cause ruckus. And there was even the goddamn writers in South Africa that went and fucked up in H&M. Like, it's the world we live in. And when everything flies off the handle as quick as it does in a 24-hour news cycle, I mean, think of the shithole comments. Doesn't it already just feel like six months ago? Things change so quickly. So to the mom that um, stood up to the internet bullies, I salute you. Way to go, lady. Take some balls to be able to do that. And you know what? If you don't have an issue with it, then I definitely don't have an issue with it. One of the last things I have on my notes here is two words called beaver assholes. Oh, there's a story I wanted to tell. But you know what? We've already gone over our 45 minutes. I'll save it till next week. Um, beaver assholes. That's what next week's episode's even going to be titled. I can promise you that much. So this was episode 19 of the podcast. Thanks for checking it out. Episode 20 will be, um, I'll post that next week after I do the cello cast. If you go to Intaza Coffee, go tell them you heard about them from Grace and Gregory in the Prove Me Wrong past, uh, podcast. I can't even say my own name. Let's make sure, or let's see if we can't get me a sponsorship or something going on over there. So thanks so much for checking out the podcast. I appreciate you guys. Catch you next week. Peace. Oh, 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 oh